Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for your word that we're about to hear. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless it to our ears. Uh, let it take growth in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, we've been sort of thinking about change. Um, and it was it was Madeline's um, talk last week about um, Matthew that made me want to kind of explore that a bit more. So we are going to revisit Matthew a bit um, because I think it's really important and it just seemed to me that God was saying um, that, that that was uh, an area to look at uh, in the life of our church and in the life of our uh, our, our servants. So we're going we're gonna to hear uh, from Matthew chapter 9, um, verses uh, 1 to 13. So if you want to uh, search that up, as they say in school. Search it up, sir, search it up. <laughs> so Matthew 9. So you get a bonus healing of a paralyzed man at the start of the uh, story of Matthew, which is great. Uh, Jesus stepped into a boat and crossed over and came uh, to his own town. Some men brought, him, brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named, uh, named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. May God bless his word to us. Okay, so. Um, just to start with, I wanted just to do a little uh, kind of mental agility. Um, one of the, 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 I've got a book at home I was um, researching for, for this, uh, this talk, and it's a, it's a book of uh, Mensa puzzles. So it's, it's kind of, it really does tax your mental agility. Now, this is a very kind of simple uh, concept. You have to change one word into another word by changing one letter at a time. You can only change one letter at a time. And every time you change it, it has to form a new English word. Okay, so you can't just have gobbledygook. It has to be a word each time. It can only change one letter. 
So Pete, can we have the uh, slide up, please? So what I would like you to do is change seeds into grass. Okay, I, I you know, there, there are several ways of doing this. But just have a think. I'm not going to. I'm not going to draw this out because it took me ages to do this. <laughs> and then I looked in the back and got the answer, and it was actually different to the one that they put as the answer. But this was my. This was my solution. So just to see if you can see an obvious part. Change one letter at a time. Has to make a new word. Who wants to be a Mensa? <laughs> yeah. No, it isn't. <laughs> Definitely not too bad. I can't say because I've got the answers in front of me. Yeah. Yes, you've seen it. I'll give you the first one. Change it to shed. Shed? Well, that might work. Yeah, I, I change it to slits. Has it got to be in the same order? Yeah, like as each letter got to stay. You can only change one. You can only change one letter. You can change any one you like, but only one. And you can't mix the other ones up. No. No. Oh, no, 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 no. no, you can't use all the letters. They're not alphabetical. Okay. Yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't mix them around because that's changing more than one letter. <laughs> so I, I went from sleds to slews. Yes, it is to slew your results. Okay, for the sake of in my head, double is it? To slew. You can't have slaws. Oh, you can. You can. Have, you can have slaws now. I put slows. Then I went glows. Grows. Grows. And we're Gross. there nearly, aren't we? Gross. 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 There you go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and when you've done that, you think, yeah, what's the point in that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so you can do that. Um, but it's just, a, it, it's just a way of showing that you, you can change things gradually from one thing into another. And, and, and that's what kind of latched me onto that. I, I was thinking that Jesus actually changes people, doesn't he? Um, so you think of the number of times that Jesus touched people's lives in the Bible and changed them. Um, sometimes it was kind of immediate and sometimes it was, it was more gradual. So there's the rich young man, there was the you know, blind people, there were people with leprosy, there, were, there was the Roman centurion, there was the thief in the crown, um, thief on the, on the cross. And Jesus meets with each one of us if we let him and, and wants to change us. Um, he continues to change us by his Holy Spirit. It's a continuing, continuing process. Romans 2, uh, 12 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. 
And in this time when we're seeking God's will for, for our church, there's something we have to do before we, we do that and before we're going to know what God's pleasing and perfect will is. And that is we need to be transformed by God's Holy Spirit. We need to have that change before we're going to know what God's will for us is. Uh, the Greek word for, for, for change or transform in that Romans passage um, is, is a word you'll be familiar with. Um, it, it's metamorphosis, okay, um, with a th at the end in the Greek, but we, 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 it's become metamorphosis in, in English. Um, and this, this word in the Greek implies continual change. It's not a one-time thing. Okay, it's a present perfect tense. It, it means it keeps going. We are continuing to be transformed. And, and I think that's that's what God does. And that's what I was trying to, to, to kind of get at with the analogy of the Mensa puzzle. You transform from one word into another by gradual changes. We see this in um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, the same the same concept and the same word is, is being used. So Corinthians says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. So with unveiled faces, we are reflecting God's glory and are being transformed into his likeness. So just as those words were changing from one word to another, we are changing from ourselves into the likeness of Christ by God's Holy Spirit. So that's the metamorphosis, continual process. We are being continually transformed by the Holy Spirit. The veil stripped away, we enter into this uninterrupted relationship with God. And, and obviously there was reference to the veil of the temple, which was um, separating God from man in the Holy of Holies. And so the, the veil would have meant something uh, significant to, to the Jews uh, because they would have seen that in the Holy of Holies every time they went to the temple that they couldn't see past into the Holy of Holies because there was something in the way. So saying taking away the veil was very significant, probably more significant to them than it is to us. The idea of, um, you know, the veil being taken away, to me, reminds me of, of getting married, you know, where you, you see the bride coming down the, the um, what's the word, aisle. <laughs> I was going to say runway, but um, <laughs> didn't marry a model. She's as she's beautiful. Um, and, and then, and then you you kind of peel back the veil and realise it's the wrong one. No, and realise that, that the beautiful face is, is uh, of your bride is there. Um, you see it. You see her clearly. And I think that's that's really um, you know that's a, that's a powerful image too. In um, in that that same translation um, or that same passage translated in a different version of the Bible is. is uh, is interesting in, in, um, in the 1611 King James Bible, uh, 
it translates as, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Which is nice, isn't it? That we see us, we see ourselves in a mirror and that, mirror, that, that image of ourselves in the mirror is changed into the image of God by the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we will be, begin to know what the good and perfect will of God is. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn in 1760 that we probably know quite well. Uh, Love divine or love's excelling. It's a lovely hymn. There's a verse in that. Uh, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let it be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before you, lost in wonder, love and praise. Change from glory into glory. And that's quoting directly from that passage in Corinthians. We are new creations when we first believe. And we are then constantly being changed, being refined, being perfected. We sing about the refiner's fire, don't we? And and that's true. When we sing that song about refiner's fire changing us, do we really understand what that, that, the significance of that is? We are being changed from glory into something even more glorious, into the image of God, into his characteristics. So when we see Matthew meeting with Jesus, we see a man that's changed. And this was one of the kind of instant changes, but then we have to believe that that Matthew went on to be changed by God's spirit uh, as he as he went forward. Um, Matthew was the son of uh, Alphaeus. He was known as uh, as a Levi, um, so he was a Levitical Jew. But he was he was completely ostracised by the rest of the Jews, um, as Madeline said, because he worked for the Romans. It was like he was a, a traitor. Um, Tax collectors were called the hated breed, um, and no no Jewish rabbi uh, would consider eating with a tax collector. They were ceremonially unclean for working on a Sabbath. They had to work on a Sabbath. Um, they had constant contact with the Gentiles because they were collecting taxes from, from people as they passed by um, on the road. Um, and and uh, Matthew's tax office, um, was on the boundary of, of two provinces, um, Philip the Tetrarch and uh, Antipas, who was another one of the, the governors of a, of a region. And he sat on the border of those two um, between Damascus and Acre in modern um, Israel uh, and Palestine. And, and, and everyone who was on that road would have to pay a tax as they crossed from one region into the other. That's where Matthew did his business. And he did it week in, week out. So he was working on the Sabbath. So he really wasn't a popular man. 
It was instant change when he met Jesus. He left his work and he was filled with an evangelistic zeal. Um, he actually organized a big party for all his colleagues to come and meet Jesus in, in verse 29. A bit further on in the story. But it was also continual change. Matthew means uh, gift of God in uh, Aramaic. And he, he went on to be a, a solid disciple. He wrote the gospel, a synoptic gospel. Uh, he was faithful even after Jesus' death. He was uh, one of the ones who was found in the upper room waiting for Jesus to, to, to come back. So he, he, he was faithful. Um, he had been changed. He used his, his gift and his talents uh, of writing to glorify God. And, and that's what God wants us to do, doesn't he? He wants us to use our gifts and our talents uh, in his service. And God will equip us for that. In Philippians 3.20, it says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I'm just going to read that again. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So I think that, that just as in that word puzzle, each step of the change meant a new word that made sense. It wasn't just kind of a random changing of letters. Each step made sense. I think God changes us gradually, and, and at each change, it makes sense for the time, for the gifts, for the skills we need for that particular time. Our challenge is to use the gifts and skills that he gives us as he changes us, as he transforms us into his likeness. And, and as we change, we should be exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit from Corinthians, we know that. And they are the witnesses to our change. We, we witness to our initial change, um, maybe if we're baptised, or when we first become a Christian, we tell people, that's our witness. But then our gradual, continual change comes in the fruit of the Spirit as we start to get the gifts of the Spirit that he gives us. So why, why all this change then? Well, we grow into our relationship with God. That's why I was searching for a mensa puzzle that kind of had seed to grass. And it just kind of all happened nicely. Um, because that's an analogy of growth, isn't it? Seeds grow into grass. And we become Christians and then we grow into the likeness of Christ as God transforms us by his spirit. And he gives us the things we need when we need them. And I think that's that's true. I mean, you know, as, as a as a now an ex-teacher. You can't tell the kids in your class all of the information at once because it's just it's too much. And they don't they need it in a particular order as well. So there's a sequence to teaching and you kind of split it up and you you teach them gradually. And, and, and God does that with us. 
God gives us what we need when we need it for the situation that we're in. And, and I think, you know, in this situation that we're in now, as a, at the start of a, of a new period of time in our church without a minister and just, you know, what are we doing? Where are we going? Then God will give us and equip us with the things that we need to move our fellowship forward and to, to glorify God in the headings. And individually, he will transform us into the likeness of Christ, into the likeness of Jesus. Um, so as it says, we are changed to reflect the Lord's glory. We are changed from glory into glory. Um, what an amazing thing. It shouldn't make us nervous. It shouldn't worry us that, that God is changing us. It's something that, that he's promised us. It's a good thing. So let's not be nervous and worried that God is, is transforming us. Let's, let's praise him for his transformational um, ability by his spirit. And let's bring glory to God in this place through our transformed lives. Amen.